0: Um, I have a message this morning that I want to... Amen. The return of Christ, the return of Jesus Christ. And I want to focus on that this morning. Amen. If, I'm, I'm sure we're all aware, but Jesus Christ, or should I, pu- I should put it this way. Our Christian faith hinges on the resurrection. It's what makes our faith valuable. It's what makes it worth. Without the resurrection, Christianity is just a feel-good religion. But the fact that Jesus Christ died and rose again gives the church power. And the return of, of Jesus also gives us our hope as well. Jesus said, behold, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay each one for what he has. Strong attack on the family. There's a strong attack to rearrange what God has ordained as the family, as the, the family unit. You have a lot of, uh, Uh, You know, groups and and, and organizations and in our school systems coming in and saying uh, everything is just turned and flipped around and and the man is no longer needed in the home. You have that kind of talk in society. and You know, what people have done studies uh, and what they've concluded is that the fall of empires, the fall of civilizations came to a, a a pinnacle, came to a point where society disregarded the family. When, when the man was no longer seen as, as part of the family and, you know, uh, there was so much chaos in the family, the nation, the empire, the civilization soon followed in, in, in destruction. And we know that this world is attacking the family. We know that through scripture, God is waiting. Now, what is God waiting for? If everything has been fulfilled in prophecy, if there's nothing else left to, for Christ to return, what is holding him back? It's the fulfillment of those who will believe in his name. God is waiting for those who are still left to be saved. And I believe that is the last thing we are waiting for, before he returns, to be caught up in the heavens uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in Matthew chapter 24, we're not going to read there, but Jesus gives a a clear depiction of the last days, wars and rumors of wars and and pestilence, famine, all these things that will come before, before he returns. And after Jesus had concluded this summary of what is to come, he he begins in chapter 25 with the parable of the ten virgins. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning. I believe that Jesus strategically closed with the parable of the ten virgins for a certain reason. And we're going to talk about that this morning. It says in Matthew 25, this is our text this morning, verse 1, Jesus said, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, who took their lamps, and they went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. At midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Let's go on to verse 8. Uh And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Verse 10. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who already went in with him to the marriage feasts. And the door was shut. Verse 11 and 12. Afterward, the virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, Lord. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us this morning what you want us to hear. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just, Lord, minister to us. Show us, Lord, the things that you have in the word for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The number 10. Let's begin with that this morning. The number Why 10 virgins? Now, the number 10 in the Bible has significance. The number 10 represents completeness in the Bible. Jesus could have used the number 10 as a figure of speech to to say the fulfillment of all that is to come. Ten virgins represented the fulfillment of prophecy, and therefore the number 10 is expressed here. You guys with me? Now, let's talk about some key things in this story. And This is where I want to spend most of my time. The construction of the first century lamp. When Jesus gave the parable of the ten virgins, he used many vivid illustrations to provide a better way to understand his coming. First illustration he gives is the lamp. Now, the first century lamp was small, and it was made of clay. And it was very simple in design. It had an opening at the top. You know, uh, who here has seen the movie Aladdin? Right? So you kind of have a depiction of what that lamp looks like. But it was made of clay. It wasn't made of gold. And it had an opening so you could pour the oil inside. And inside the lamp, there was a, a wick, a, a piece of cloth or a thread that would be in the base and and there would be like a little spout. And out of the spout, you would have the wick be exposed so that when you light it, the wick is burning, right, providing light and, and it would have oil inside of it to keep on being lit. Now, in the book of Leviticus chapter 24, verses 1 and 2, There's a command. So, you know, lamps that that were used in Jesus' day were used even way before Jesus' day, back into the days of Moses. And look what it says here. It says, Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil from beaten olives for the lamps, that a light may be kept burning regularly. Now, in God's temple, the lamp, was never to go out, always to be kept burning as a representation of his presence in that place. So there's a strong significance to what the lamp means and what Jesus is trying to tell us this morning. Now, I want to tell you this morning that what the lamp represents to us as Christians is our faith, our Christian faith that we've been given. Now, how many of you here have had a birthday in the park? Anybody? You guys ever had a birthday in the park? Yeah? All right. So, and, and how many moms or dads had to uh, light the birthday cake? And you had like maybe, you know, 10 candles, 12 candles. I don't know how many. Um, and, and did anybody, did, were you ever in a situation where no one brought the lighter? Anybody? Sound familiar? I know it's happened because I've seen it. And so, you know, someone, you know, by chance maybe has a, a box of matches. I don't even know they have those anymore. But I remember in my day when I grew up, when I was growing up, my grandfather, you know, we had a gas stove in, in Ensenada. And uh, to start the stove, he had to light the match. And he had to, you know, carefully light the stove. Now, in a birthday party, you got so many different elements. You have uh, the wind, right? You have people around you. And and when you light that match and you're trying to light the candles, what happens? If you're not careful, the wind will come and blow it out. So what do you do? You light the match and you're, you're trying to cover with one hand, right? You're trying to cover the flame and you're trying to light the candles. It's important to keep that match burning. And if you're not careful, and if you're not, you know, uh, uh, concerned about what's going on around you, the light's going to go out. What is Jesus telling us in this parable? He's telling us that there's a lot of things going around in the world. There's a lot of people doing things that they're not, they're not supposed to be doing. There's, there's so many distractions out there, and if you're not careful, your light will burn out. You got to protect your flame. You got to take care of your lamp, not your not your sister's lamp, not your brother's lamp, not what's what's happening over here, over there. Your lamp, and and Jesus brings the example of a lamp. And I believe why he does this is because you got to be careful. You got to be watchful, watchful. Uh, yes, we're living in the end times. Yes, Christ's return is imminent, and it can happen at every, any moment. But our eyes shouldn't be on what's happening in the news. What's happening over here and over there, because we know this. Jesus told us what would happen in the last days. Our eyes need to be on the flame that's burning in our lamp. Amen? We can easily be consumed with other things. Distracted. Focused on what the media is telling us to be focused on. And what happens? The flame goes out. If we take our eyes off of the flame and we place it on worry, the flame goes out. If if we take our eyes off of the flame and place it on people... And what they say and what they're doing and what they believe, our flame burns out. See, it's important this morning that we carry our lamp full of oil. Now, I want to talk about oil this morning. The oil in the lamp. Now, it says that the wise virgins, they brought a flask with them. Now, the question I ask myself is that if, if the lamp represents our faith, what does the oil represent? What is the oil this morning? In the first century, in the times of Jesus, oil for the lamps was made by the crushing of olives, using a press. According to the Jewish lifestyle, of that time, the olive first needed to be crushed into paste before they were pressed for oil. Now, before going to the cross, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, which means oil press. See, Jesus, Jesus would be crushed For our sins. As a matter of fact it says. In Isaiah 53 verse 3. He was pierced for our transgressions. And crushed. For our iniquities. It wasn't by coincidence. That Jesus was in the garden. Of the oil press. Now. If olives. Need to be crushed. What does that mean. To you and me this morning. Now. After the crushing, the olive paste was placed in a, in a basket that was easily pressed. And what they would do is, first of all, they would gather the olives, gather the harvest. They would put it in a mill where a donkey would ride around and, and, and turn this, this large stone wheel. And it would crush all the olives, make it into the paste. They would gather the paste, they would put in the baskets, and they would stack the baskets high, and then they would put it under a press where there were stone weights that would apply levels of pressure. Now, according to Jewish tradition, each press, each olive harvest, should I say, would produce three pressings. The first press would produce a real Good olive oil. That first press was not to be touched by the person. That was to be set apart for the Lord. That was to be used for his temple, bringing the the first fruits to the Lord. The second press was used by the individual collecting the harvest. That would be used for perfume, for consumption, for cooking, for For medicine, that was the second press. And the last press was not as good as the first or the second. That press was used for the lamp oil. And think about the comparison in our lives. First of all, I would dare say that trials and tribulations in our lives is the press. That is the press, the crushing of the olives. Is the trials in our lives, the, the problems that arise in our lives, the situations in our lives, is the press. Now, what is different from the Christian and the non Christian, the person that doesn't believe? And I'll tell you the difference. The difference is that there's no olives in the press. So therefore, there's no oil that can come out of the tribulation, of the trial. That means that one person without Christ feels no hope. The other person, when going through trials and tribulations, is able to receive oil from the trial. Is able to receive oil from the tribulation. See, the Holy Spirit in you is the olive. The Holy Spirit That's inside of you is the olive. And when trials come into your life, when you're being pressed, out comes the oil for your lamp. When you take worry and you turn it into praise, that's olives in your press. When you read the word of God and you allow it to speak into your life, you're applying olives into your press. When we believe in faith, not by what we see, but by who God is, we are applying olives into the press. And when we apply these things in our lives, it's not who you are or what you're made of that produces the oil, it's who's inside of you. And when the Holy Spirit is inside of your life and and and, and pressure comes and situations come, you all you need to do is trust in the Lord and out will come the oil for your lamp. How do, we, how do we get the oil for our lives? How do we sustain our Christian walk? How do we keep the flame going? By having the Holy Spirit in your life. By having the Holy Spirit activated inside of you so that no matter what comes your way, it, it, come hell. Come hell. Come the flames. Come whatever into your life. It doesn't matter. Oil will always come forth because of who's inside of you. We need the oil for our lamp. We need to keep the flame going. Now, it's interesting in the story that they all became drowsy. All of them, all ten of them, even the wise and the foolish, it says in Scripture that they all became drowsy. It's interesting to me that both the foolish and the wise became drowsy. This simply could mean that everybody gets caught up in the day-to-day. Everybody gets caught up in the worries of this world. And Jesus is probably bringing out something for us to think about here. That no one is perfect. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, one of my last points this morning is the trimming of the lamp. It says that when they heard the bridegroom, they trimmed their lamp. In Exodus 30, verse 7, there was the command for those that were operating in the temple. And it says... And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it every morning when he dresses the lamp or trims the lamp. He shall burn it, and when Aaron sets up the lamps in twilight, he shall burn it, a regular incense and offering to the Lord throughout your generations. Now, according to the temple ordinances, it was up to the priest to trim the lamps regularly. How many of you here like to have candles in your home? anybody like you know I like I like scented candles, okay, I got admit it, I admit it. I like scented candles, vanilla or you know during uh, the heart you know the, um, the fall right they have pumpkin spice you know and we we love candles we do why, why hide it? Um, and how many of you know that if you leave a candle? unattended what what happens after maybe a couple of hours maybe by midday Do you guys ever notice like the the flame gets smoky and then you look inside and you see that the wick has like this kind of mushroom type thing on it and it's and it's 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 it's, it's kind of overgrown and you got to trim the wick see what happens is that when we're not careful and we don't maintain the wick in our lives, is the wick will begin to just develop this corrosion on top of it. And if we're not careful, what happens is that that wick begins to produce smoke in our lives. And the smoke represents not being able to see when you need the light in your life. See, these, these virgins, when they, when they woke up, they trimmed their lamps because they were drowsy. They fell asleep. Their lamps were unattended. And if they wanted to see in the nighttime, if they wanted to see their bridegroom, they had to trim the lamp in order to have a bright light and be able to see their king. In our lives... We need to be careful for what we allow to latch onto us. What we allow to latch onto our wick. Because if we're not careful, we're going to be seeing smoke. We're going to be trying to see the will of God through a smoky room. You know, who who falls victim? I think bonfires hate me. Because every time I sit somewhere, the smoke always comes to me. You know, and who, who likes, no one likes that. No one likes smoke in their face. You know, uh, so even in Jesus' day, right, when they had a, a boat or a ship, they didn't have lights like, like we have today. They had lanterns. And the crew members, their job was to keep the lamps trimmed always to make sure they can see and navigate through the storm. Now, if we want to navigate through life, if we want to have the faith that burns bright, many, many, many of it has to do with how we trim our lamps, with how we maintain our lives in Christ. See, Jesus has given us the light. He's given us the lamp through the crushing of his body. Through his sacrifice, he's given us the light. It's up to us to maintain that light. Jesus makes the point clear. Keep your lamp lit and ready for his return. And keeping your lamp ready means that you're not focused on other things. You're not saying, well, Jesus is going to come tomorrow, so I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to plan. I'm not going to, you know, no it means that you are going to be ready for his return. Most importantly, we need to keep the Christian life burning bright. How many can say amen? Amen. Amen. Let's, Let's bow our heads in prayer this morning. As we give God thanks. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. Lord, we thank you, God, that Lord, no matter what happens around us, no matter what is moving in our midst, in our world, in our society, in our nation, no matter, Lord, what is happening, you've called us to maintain our flame. You've called us, Lord, to trim our wick, to have oil for our lamp. Lord, if we're concerned about everything else, We will neglect the very thing that you've told us to keep burning bright. My prayer this morning, Lord, and my prayer for your church, God, is that we would focus back on the light that you've given us. Maybe this morning, our eyes have been off of our relationship with you, on other things, on worry, on frustrations on what's happening around us. Maybe we've given our heart to other things, Lord, and not to the attention and detail that you've called us to give to our lamp. Lord, as a church this morning, God, we repent. And we are sorry that we've neglected our light. I pray, God, that this morning we would return back to the task that you've given us. That we'd return back to what you have called us to do. And That's take care of our relationship with you, Lord. Because, Lord, we know you are coming quickly. We know any day you could return for your church. And you want us to be ready. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just as we read about the olives is being crushed to produce oil. Jesus was crushed to produce the new life we have in him. He gave his body as the once and for all sacrifice for our sins. Let's prepare this morning for communion. If we can stand to our feet. And I want you to take time this morning to prepare your heart. Communion is a sacred, important, and to be held in high esteem with all respect and honor. As we prepare our hearts this morning, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, if you have unrepented sin, I want to ask you, I'm going to ask you this morning to pray there where you are you would get your heart right before the Lord as we pray this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time of communion. We thank you, God, for the sacrifice that you took upon yourself, Lord, on the cross for our sins, for our transgressions, for everything that we've done and everything that we're going to do, Lord. Lord, I pray, God, for the sins, Lord, in our lives, God, that have affected us from seeing who you are, from having that close relationship with you. Forgive us, Lord. As we take this communion this morning, God, I pray that our hearts would be right before you, God, simply by trusting in your name, simply by calling out to you, Lord, as our Savior. As we know, Lord, there is nothing we can do to obtain your favor and grace. But if when we put our trust in you, Lord, that is all we need to be right before you. And we trust in you. In Jesus' name. His blood was poured out for the cleansing of our sins. Now, I want to give everybody an opportunity to get ready with this communion. So let's go ahead and peel the first layer. So, just as we read that the number 10 represents completeness, the day of atonement was to take place on the 10th day of the month. And this is no coincidence. Because Jesus being the atonement for our sins was the perfect and complete sacrifice. Today we take communion in remembrance of his sacrifice. Now, let's begin. Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us eat. Now, if we can peel the cup.